You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Babylon Project was our last best hope for peace. Well, we're in it now. It failed. In the last few hours, we have learned that warships are coming this way from Earth. Their orders are to seize command of Babylon 5 by force. But in the year of the Shadow War, it became something greater. Our last best hope for victory. My words are inadequate to the burden of my heart. The year is 2260. The place, Babylon 5. And assuming we survive this, how old will you be in a year if you don't want to speak Mimbari? It's like I've always said, you can get more with a kind word and a two before than you can with just a kind word. Please, continue. Only one human can ever survived battle with the Minbari fleet. He is behind me. You are in front of me. If you value your lives, be somewhere else. Hello and welcome to the Epsilon 3, a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Each week we review an episode of the 1990s sci-fi TV classic Babylon 5. This week, Season 3, Episode 19, Grey 17 is missing. I'm Paul. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. And, and we, we are, are the Epsilon 3. And first off, uh, I need to apologize to all our listeners. I need to apologize to you two guys. I totally cocked up over the last few episodes by misnumbering the episodes. Oh, no. Yeah. Ooh. And I only found this out um, this weekend. So I went back to see how bad it was. And about six episodes ago, I, I missed... I missed one. On my list of shows that we should watch next, uh, I missed a number. So we skipped something like from 15 to 17 and totally missed out 16. Well, that's kind of appropriate considering we're talking about a level missing on this episode. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Mm. Because then it actually, I I then got it right after four episodes and then went wrong again the following episode. So I can guarantee you that this is... As we watch them, not necessarily in the number order of DVDs or the number order of others, the JMS watch order is definitely season three, episode 19. And I will definitely have them right from now on, I promise. Do we have to record now an episode where there's like some weird dangerous cult that will have an episode <laughs> yes. in between our 17 and, and 18, somewhere in between? We should do that. We should do that. Mm. But the, the thing is, I i mean, no one's written in to complain. Um, and if anybody spotted it, they did not brought it up. So uh, that's that's fine. Um, but there are about six or seven episodes that are wrong, and I am not going back to re-edit them. Uh, that would just be too much work. So, again, apologies yeah. for, the, for the misnumbering. It doesn't really matter in the great scheme of things. But, you know, if people handpick it and, and pick one out to listen to, it'll be wrong. So... Apologies. Anyway, moving on. The synopsis. Garibaldi investigates an abandoned level of the station, and Dylan is installed as the head of the Rangers. 
but Naroon doubts her worthiness. Written by JMS and directed by John C. Flynn III, this episode was released on the 1st of September 1996 in the UK and October the 7th, 1996 in the USA, and takes place from November 26th to November 30th, 2260. And our guest stars, Robert Englund as Jeremiah, Catherine Moffat as the supervisor, Eamon Roche as first man, John Vickery as Naroon, Time Winters as Rathen, and um, how do we pronounce that now? Tom Barry or Tom Barry? I'll go with Tom Barry. There's a H in there. Uh, as a maintenance worker. Uncredited, as usual, are Stephen Austin's Cordelius as drug dealer and Bill Blair as alien. So, guys, what did we think of this episode? I, I, uh, I remember it, well, I wouldn't say super great, but I, I remember that uh, it was supposed to be at least from my recollection, a fairly whimsical episode with the whole missing level. And uh, I remember Garibaldi being uh, a more funny character in this. And, and I guess he was near at the end when he explained things to uh, to Sheridan. Uh, it wasn't as funny as I remembered it, but uh, it, was, it was an enjoyable episode. Okay, Dan? Yeah, I, I completely remembered him going down to this missing level and then the whole counting between the levels and then realizing there's a count of six instead of a count of three. That really stuck in the brain for some reason. And I really like the idea that there's a missing level because yes. of the way the construction doesn't work. But I also remembered it like a big comedy episode. Like it was a big ha ha. He keeps on getting lost on the same level and keeps on going yeah. back like almost a, a Groundhog Day sort of thing. And I thought that this was something that carries through the whole season, but it evidently just one and done in one episode and never to be heard of again. It's funny um, how the mind works, eh? Really strange. And I really did not remember the whole being installed. I knew that eventually Delenn does become, you know, head of the Rangers and, and this does happen, but really did not uh, remember the Naroon versus Marcus fight, which I was a lot more invested in, given that it's got more, ramic more ramifications. And I really didn't need the whole Grey 17 is missing. It's almost like they focused on the wrong bit of the episode. Now, I um, vaguely remember bits of this episode, and I think the fight between Marcus and the Rune is one of them. Um, mm. And you know, we'll, we'll get to that later. But uh, it, it's vaguely familiar. And I think, the, again, the counting in the in the lift, because it's the elevator, whatever you want to call it, um, it's something that, is tangible. We can we can all understand that. Mm. We've probably may have done it ourselves. You know, to, uh, recently on holiday, we we were going up and down uh, floors, and I was looking between the door. There was a little gap in the door, and you could see when the <laughs> the lights of the floors were going past. And I was and I was there counting them, and that was before I even saw this episode. So I thought, <laughs> yeah, it it is something that maybe we've all done. So it, it you know it, it, I can I can I can relate to that. Um, but yeah, really, other than that, there wasn't really that much going on that was important it was yeah it was okay yeah serviceable yeah yeah so everyone wants to be a telepath there you go there we go so long as the pay is good what am i thinking <laughs> it's not what you what you can do it's who you know Sheridan and Ivanova are recruiting telepaths to fight against the shadows but as soon as they tell the candidates that part they quit Sheridan remembers Dr. Franklin's underground system of free passage to telepaths, fleeing from the Psycho. 
As Stephen is still on walkabout, they will look through his files. I suppose this, this bit makes more sense now when watching Walkabout before War Without Ends, part one and two, because it, it reminds us of his absence mm-hmm. uh, in those episodes. I think if he had, if it had just been, you know, we, we hadn't seen him in the two war episodes and then he goes Walkabout and now we're talking about him, it's too short. So I think it works better with that um, that order of things. So the order of walkabout, the two war without ends, then Grey Seventeen makes sense. Hmm. There you go. You're welcome. Very true. There you we, go. We have done the work, so other people don't have to. We're back on track. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Mm. Meanwhile, there is a power issue in Grey Sixteen. And a poor electrician cannot find the problem as everything is working. But he is told to keep looking anyway. Then suddenly, he is attacked, just like the scene from Jaws when the swimmer gets eaten. Yeah, listen, Central. I've gone over these cables half a dozen times. I can't find a problem. We're still reading a dead power relay in Gray 16. Yeah, well, I don't care what you're reading. I'm telling you, they're all working. Then keep looking. Well, there's a problem. I don't know how the hell to pull Delenn is meeting with Rathen, where they are talking about a replacement for Ranger 1, Commander Sinclair. The the Rangers need a leader, and Rathen suggests Delenn, but she will think about it. In a scene of exposition, Garibaldi is cleaning his grandmother's Smith & Wesson 38 slug thrower when Zack turns up. He tells Garibaldi about the maintenance guy who disappeared after fixing the power relays. Garibaldi goes to investigate. He hates Grey Sector. It's like the Centauri Triangle. Things are always going missing in there. Ivanova goes to a bar down below. This never normally ends well. No, the, the way the, the patrons were looking at her and sizing her up, I was expecting a fight. But Yeah, that's right. I mean, you can see them all sort of saying, oh, what's she doing here? And the, the, Should we stop all our illegal activity and you know, gambling and things? Or no, no, she's wandered off. Keep going. She's not interested in this today. <laughs> Yeah, equally, it's also like, oh, that's Ivanova. No, we're not going to start on her. That's fine. We're okay. <laughs> the hair's down. She's going to take us out. Yeah. She finds Stephen suffering with stim withdrawal. Some drugs take longer to work out of the system, uh, which would be why he was okay in Walkabout and not now three hours, uh, three hours, three episodes later. So again, makes a bit more sense. Ivanova tells him about the information she needs about the telepaths. He tells her where to find it with one condition. Don't send anyone after him. Leave him to work this out alone. Sean's made up with that. It means no more Stephen for a bit. Oh, <laughs> so sad. Garibaldi arrives at the scene of the disappearance. The maintenance guy disappeared into thin air. Why is it always thin air? Never fat air? Chubby air? Mostly fit, could stand to lose a few pounds in air? He cannot be found on any of the 29 levels. Surely that's 30 levels? Nope, 29. Of the schematics. Say 30, I know. It's a mistake in the blueprints. You know how they rush to get this place finished. 
Nobody ever caught it because not many people get down here. Take my word for it. I went down every floor of this place myself and counted. It's 29 for sure. Sheridan is con- is congratulating Delenn on her ascension to Ranger 1. I couldn't think what it was. Promotion to Ranger 1? Yeah, what? either way. Probably promotion. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't I couldn't get the right word. Um, hmm. And I'm not sure they actually said it. But anyway. Hmm. Ascension uh, makes sense for the Mimbari. It kind of sounds yeah. like one of their words. But yeah. yeah. It's better than the three X's I put down because I couldn't think of what the word was and I still haven't <laughs> the right word. Uh, it is the logical choice. Uh, Delenn says it is the logical choice, but not necessarily the popular choice. Uh, as he leaves, Naroon Nar- uh, appears. He says that the warrior caste should lead the rangers as it was the law as set down by Valen. He says, You have undergone the transformation promised by Valen, broken the council, and created a vacuum of power. And now, as an eminent leader in the religious caste, you plan to take command of a military force and fill that vacuum yourself. A religious zealot propelled by prophecy into a position of military and political power? (laughs) Always a bad idea. You know, when you put it like that, He's actually got a point. <laughs> Maybe he's not wrong. Given that we now know who Valen is, couldn't Valen said like, this is the law until you get one person, a religious person who breaks the, the triangle, then she can do pretty much whatever she wants. Cause otherwise we're going to lose just, just like a little caveat just on the rule. It'd be nice and easy. Got a small print. That's all we that, need. That, that box with the letters was pretty big. It could have fit a bunch of stuff in it. Exactly. There's tons of room. But if she carries on this path, Naroon will stop her by all means necessary. But 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 no changeling has ever harmed another. I, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> mm, parallels. Hmm. Linnea is not happy with Naroon's threat and wants the captain informed, but Dilem refuses. Garibaldi is checking out the levels in Grey Sector. There are three seconds between levels until he travels between Grey 16 and 17, where there is six seconds. He goes back to Grey 16, but stops the elevator after three seconds. He opens the door to find Grey 17, but in a poor state of repair. He hears a noise and goes to investigate, only to find uh, Chucky, who fires a poison dart at him, and he passes out. Lanier goes to see Marcus. He wants Marcus to deal with Naroon so he won't be breaking his promise to Delenn. Marcus agrees to stop him before the ceremony for Delenn's appointment to Ranger 1. Appointment. There you go. That's the word that's I should have good, used. That's a good word right there. Appointment. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah. You know what is also good? This promo for another podcast right here on the ESO Network. Welcome to Earth Station Trek, a show that talks about Star Trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. We cover topics like Star Trek versus reality. Did the board get better or worse? Finding the good in bad episodes. Pop culture in Trek. Star Trek pets. Vulcan romance. Religion in Trek. Umox for fun and pleasure. Kirk versus Picard. And why Cisco is better. Plus reviews of all the latest episodes. Check us out on your favorite podcast platform or the ESO Network. Meanwhile, Garibaldi wakes. He has lost his PBG and is confronted by a group of people led by Freddy Krueger. Consider the hand. Veins, capillaries, muscles, cells, wounds, 
Stars, planets, galaxies, all trapped inside ephemeral, translucent flesh. <laughs> After stereotypical bad guy monologue. The Paul. We have lines. We have signs. We have shapes, equations. <laughs> all creation. In a hangnail. My name is Jeremiah. Welcome to the end of the world. He says, Welcome to the end of the world. The ceremony starts, as does the John and Delenn show. We get some Delenn backstory about her parents. Freddy Krueger is doing his best Kenny Everett impression, telling Garibaldi about recycling in another monologue. Oh, I'm so glad it wasn't wasn't just me. He sounded exactly <laughs> like Kenny Everett. With the glasses on the end of his nose. The glasses, I mean, everything. Yeah. It's just amazing. Saying, it's all done in the best possible taste, and then <laughs> crossing his legs over whilst explaining everything to Garibaldi. That was just bizarre. I need to it find was. a clip that it looks exactly the same. Yeah, it oh. was. It was just it was just so I thought this. I mean, I've I've never seen him out of his Freddy Krueger stuff, so I didn't really mm. know what he looked like. But he's got the same sort of roundish face, and the he, he's very expressive with his face as well, obviously. So, yeah, mm. it was it was bizarre with the glasses at the end of his nose. He just looked like one of Kenny Kenny Everett's characters. Marcus intercepts Naroon, and they get into a "My staff is bigger than yours" contest uh, to the death. Meanwhile, the ceremony continues with no problems. The fight continues. They have both been taught by the same teacher, so it's a bit of a stalemate. Garibaldi is is uh, is still trying to get out of Grace Seventeen B. Uh, he keeps getting uh, cramps from from the dart, and a doctor is called for. But of course, it's a ruse. He takes Freddy by surprise and tells him to take him to the door. The fight continues between Marcus and the rune, and Garibaldi finds the clothing of the missing worker. The scenes are just going left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. A little bit here, a little bit there. Mm -hmm. Thirty second cuts. Uh, but Freddy has nothing to do with it. He tells Garibaldi that he needs to be pure in thought and body, or, the, or, or in other words, to be eaten by a Zarg, uh, the most dangerous alien in the sector. Meanwhile, Naroon turns up at the ceremony and has a change of heart, as the humans would not die for him, but they would die for Delenn. There is now blood between us, and there is blood between the warrior caste and the humans. I do not think they would die for me. But they would die for you. Pentelza. Oh, dramatic. Pretty badass. Yeah. yeah. Garibaldi manages to hurt the Zarg, but needs something to kill it. Then he remembers the exposition from the earlier part of the episode. He remembers the 38 bullets in his pocket and makes a rudimentary, rudimentary gun that shoots eight rounds out of the six he puts in the pipe. Marcus is found alive and, ta and taken to Medlab. I will insert the clip here. There's lots of clips to insert this in this week's episode. It really is. Uh, mainly because, um, you know, uh, Bill Lamond has been saying he likes all the clips being put in because it helps him remember the, the episode, which I think is that's why I do it. It should never have been allowed to happen, not for my sake. If not for yours, then who else? He could have been killed. Delenn. All we know is that we will die. It is only a matter of how, when, 
and whether or not it is with honor. He did what any of us would have done. Respectfully, Delenn, I think this is the one thing about your position you do not yet understand. You cherish life. Life is your goal, but for the greater part to live. Some must die or be harmed in its defense and yours. There is no other way. Now, the doctors say that Marcus will recover, and that is what matters. Narun appears and talks to Marcus. Narun says, Densha, you said, to the death. And death there was. The death was mine. To see a human invoke the name of Valen, to be willing to die for one of my kind, when I was intent upon killing one of my own, the rightness of my cause disappeared. Strange that a human in his last moment should be more of a Minbari than I. Perhaps it is true what Delenn said, that we are not of the same blood, that we are of the same heart. As Narun turns to leave, Marcus says, The next time you want a revelation. Could you possibly find a way that isn't quite so uncomfortable? <laughs> One of those nice little 1970s endings to a, a, a TV program with a I'd laugh at the end. We're just missing a freeze frame. <laughs> yeah. So as we go into the trivia, uh, we talk about uh, they talk about the uh, the laugh. Naroon's hearty off-camera laugh at Marcus's reply was quite genuine, though not to the reply itself. Jason Carter said a joke off-camera while cameras were rolling, and while still in character, uh, John Vickery gave a good laugh. JMS liked it so much he kept it in the scene. <laughs> Makes sense. There you go. JMS is said to be willing to personally apologise to every fan for this episode and acknowledging it to be one of the poorest of the series. Does he not remember TKO? Yeah, exactly. There's much, much worse. (laughs) JMS stated later that the good episodes didn't take too long to write, maybe a day or two. This episode took two weeks. How many weeks? (laughs) Two weeks! (laughs) making it one that he himself didn't like very much. Jeremiah's rambling about the universe, breaking itself down into individual souls, is not as crazy as he sounds. His belief mirrors the Mimbari religion, as explained by Dylan. Robert Englund, as Jeremiah, in his opening speech, flicks out the fingers of his right hand in exactly the same way he does when playing his most famous role, Freddy Krueger. The Zarg's home planet... Uh, Bazark is heavily quarantined, quarantined, because nearly every species there is carnivorous and innately hostile. Garibaldi kills the alien by putting six thirty-eight special rounds into a pipe and then inserting the pipe into a larger steam pipe, using the heat to set off the rounds. Firstly, steam is not hot enough to set off modern gunpowder ammunition. Secondly, even assuming it was hot enough to set them off, they were all in the same pipe in a line, the moment one went off, it would either blow the rest out of the unfired blow the rest of the unfired rounds out of the pipe, or the pipe itself would explode open. They would not go off one at a time in the proper order as shown. 
Furthermore, eight rounds fired out of the pipe instead of the six he put in. Yeah, I, I did count. It's a habit I've got from um, Dirty Harry. Uh, yes, of course. Did you shoot uh, five shots or only six? And ever since then, I've always been counting <laughs> shots and see what gun it is and how many rounds they have. The title, Grey 17 is Missing, is incorrect. The lost level is between Grey 16 and Grey 17, and Grey 17 itself is shown right before the lost level is discovered. A more accurate title would have been Grey 17 is Misnamed, or more accurately, there are two Grey 17s, or everything after Grey 17 is misnamed, including the second Grey 17. That would be a long title, though. <laughs> yes, but more accurate. Yes, hmm. definitely. <laughs> are there any Star Trek connections, Sean? Yeah, we have a few, actually. Uh, of course, John Vickery is back as Naroon, and we've talked about him several times. He was in Enterprise, Deep Space Nine, and TNG. Uh, we've had Time Winters as Rathene or Rathen before. He was Glindaro in TNG's episode, The Wounded. But we have somebody new. We've got Catherine Moffat, who played the supervisor. And on The Next Generation, she played Etana Jal in The Game. And uh, on Deep Space Nine, she played Vetric Holra in Necessary Evil. Uh, um. And we also had in this episode, Chekhov's gun. <laughs> I guess the gun was there. Nice. I like it. I like it. I you catch that, that reference, do you? No. Mm. I, I, oh, that's that's a that's a literary device that uh, that states uh, any weapon or gun that shows up in the beginning of a play must be fired by the third act, and right. it's known as Chekhov's gun. And of course, Chekhov was Walter Koenig, who played Perfect. Chekhov in the original yeah. series and Bester in this series. So. Just a little bit of humor for you. <laughs> yeah. So, right. Ratings. Uh, we uh, rate our, uh, the, the, sorry, we rate the episodes out of jump gates, and it is out of five jump gates because it's Babylon 5. And IMDb uh, rate theirs uh, out of 10. Now, before we go to IMDb, somebody, is, uh, somebody uh, emailed me a while back and said, uh, oh no, or was it um, it might have been Josh somebody said anyway, leave the uh, IMDB bit out because that might um, the, the, uh, mm. skew the, the, the results, so I won't mention it uh, Sean, what did you think of this episode? You know what? Um, I didn't mind it actually to be honest Um I don't think it was the greatest episode ever, but the whole uh, Marcus and uh, Naroon fight was good. Uh, Delenn being installed as as the new uh, Intel Za, that was excellent. Uh, the B5 staff hiring the telepaths to go fight the shadows, that's all very good. Uh, what happened to the maintenance man? Oh, he falls down the hole, that was good. Uh, the creature makeup for the Zarg and the... Zarg name is cool. Uh, he had the long Freddy Krueger claws as well, and he had the uh, the mandible of like a predator alien. Hmm. I, I remember really liking this episode. I, I I don't know. I have to give it a four. I think. Okay, four. Good, good score. Middle of the road uh, for for well, just above middle of the road. Your average at the moment is running around about three point five, so just above average. Mm -hmm. uh, Dan, what did you think? 
Um, I kind of struggled with this one because, yeah, the, the Grey 17 stuck in the brain. I do remember him going on this adventure and finding a missing level. And I thought that was a really cool idea. And it kind of made sense if it's a rotating round station that it wouldn't be easy to make a ton of levels that are straight and confined because it wouldn't work out. So there would be a gap in the middle. So what do you do with the gap? And there's some weird stuff going on in there. It was a bit weird just having it's a creature and there's a cult about, you know, you have to test yourself and all this sort of stuff. And all of their beliefs are just a rehash of everything we've already heard from Delenn. So it's not, we're not learning anything. There's nothing interesting on that side of the episode. But as Sean said, it's saved by the Naroon and Marcus fight. It's saved by uh, Delenn rising through the ranks and be, and getting the power they need. And you've got the telepaths and you've got a little bit more backstory with all these other characters. So it's not as bad as I think most people seem to, to think about this episode. A lot of people on Twitter, all the other podcasts who are covering Babylon 5 at the moment, seem to just pick on this episode as like their threshold, as if it's, <laughs> you know, it's the worst you could ever do. You know, that's Voyager's worst and this is, Babylon 5s but there's been way worse than this yes I hate TKO and yes I didn't really care for late delivery from Avalon but I think this is better uh so I'm just going to go for a, a just a three three out of five got some really great bits it's just let down by the third element of it so it couldn't be a perfect or a really good episode but yeah it was all right Okay, so you've given that a three. Um, your average currently runs at three point three, so it's um, a little bit so below average. But mm. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm going to do something similar. Uh, but um, so my average at the moment for for, each, for every episode that we've reviewed is three point seven, just slightly higher than you guys. But this is just a, an average episode, a, a ticking over episode. It does have good bits in it, as we as you two guys just said. It has the fights. Um, I like the fight. I like the way that Marcus is beaten, but and he, and he could quite easily be killed. But then the rune thinks, "Oh, hang on a minute! This guy is prepared to die uh, for Dilem, which is you know, good." And he, he suddenly realizes he's actually going to try and kill one of their own, and you can't do that. So he he steps back from the uh, the abyss. Um, the, the, the I think the Grey Seventeen could have been done a little bit better. I think that sort of little you know, plot was was okay. Um, yeah, that it's a nice, too it's much a, sense, but no, it's a nice little B plot, um, or even C plot, I suppose, could even be. Um, so it's it's a nice little ticky over thing to keep Garibaldi busy, uh, as he explains at the end of the episode when uh, he he's trying to describe what you know his day has been like to Sheridan. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm so I'm going to give this a three point five, which is sort of just below average slightly, but um, it's. It, it, I mean, my average is slowly climbing over the over the weeks, so I think three point five is actually to me is a is a pretty sort of average episode. Uh, it's you know, we scored this out of five, so it's well above two point five, which would theoretically be uh, an average episode. So yeah, not not offensive, not a, not a bad episode, not a brilliant episode, but it's a good enough one that you throw it in there, you could watch it, and instantly forget it like I did. Now IMDb. Gave this a 6.6 out of 10, Ooh. which is 3.3 in our uh, numbers. So a little bit higher than Dan, a little bit lower than me, uh, a lot lower than Sean. It is officially the worst rated episode of Babylon 5 so far. Really? And I don't think it gets wow. any I, I don't think they beat this. So See, I, 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 don't, I don't get the hate. Like, it's not, no. it's not the greatest episode. And probably my rating of a four is a little bit too high, but I, I didn't mind it. 
Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I mean, it's it's not far off what me and Dan have given it. You know, it's, it's sort of either side of it. It's, mm. So it's probably about right. But we've got episodes that, I mean, we only have to go back a couple of weeks and you, you're looking at interlude interludes and examinations and Sean and walkabouts and Sean has given those really bad ratings. <laughs> um, myself, you only have to go back to late delivery from Avalon to find uh, what is, you know, one of my worst episodes. The worst episode uh, for me is the long dark. I, I've recalibrated all the colors so I can see it better now. Um, <laughs> uh, Dan, obviously, um, is TKO and Sean, I have lost his, but it's at the top there. Infection, one of the first four episodes. Ah, uh, yes. So, which is a yeah, which is low. So, yeah, um, it it's not that bad. It's not a it's not worth three point no. three really. Um, it could go higher. I mean that you know our average is is slightly higher because we're skewed slightly more towards the top end of the scale. So, you know, it's it's. I just wonder if it hmm. is it just because it's a bit dull. Like, there's very little that makes like makes for. Uh, rewatch. You don't have to come back to this. You d- you can forget the Grey Seventeen stuff. Yeah. You kind of know Delenn's got to take over anyway. So having a little story moment really doesn't solve anything, unless you need to have Marcus in the in the said sick bay or in the med bay for some reason for the next couple of episodes. Otherwise, he would solve all their problems. You don't really need this to happen. And we already know they're recruiting telepaths. So yeah. is it just that it suffers from being dull? It's it's, it's a um, a family's episode, isn't it? It's a it's a you know mm. it's an episode after you've had the the um best of, best of both yeah. worlds. So there, there's yeah. 22 episodes a season, and this is one of them definitely. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but this is yeah, we're, we're, the the two best episodes of Babylon Five so far by us anyway, but certainly widely regarded. Uh, we're we're scoring like five out of five, and you know uh, for, for the second part of War, War Without End, then you have mm. this, and I think it suffers slightly from having that. You know, it's coming after that, and you and we've seen it before in, in some of the earlier shows where we've had a really highly rated one, and then there's a couple of sort of average ones after it because you can't go anywhere after after that sort of episode. So you just throw in your worst one, just throw that one in. It doesn't make any difference. You need a bit of a a breather after the um, the two parter we've just gone through. So hmm. yeah, there you go. So that's the end of this episode. Join us again next week when we will be discussing season three episode. 20 it's definitely episode 20 i'm just double checking this yes episode 20 and the rock cried out no hiding place no hiding place down here (laughs) captain you wouldn't believe the day i've had the day you've had we had an assault on marcus someone got into the ranger ceremony could have killed delenn and where were you Okay. Well, first, there was this missing maintenance man. Well, he wasn't missing. He was killed by a Zarg. But I'm getting ahead of myself. That was after I found out that the entire 17th floor of Grey Sector had completely disappeared. Well, not disappeared exactly. This weird cult had taken over the place, see? And there was a dummy that shot Tranks out of its eyes. It was very strange. But it was all supposed to be perfect. That was the thing about it. And there wasn't a way out. But there was. Except it was spiritual. And you had to die a perfect death. That's where the Zarg came in. And either it was going to kill me or I was going to kill it. And... Am I going too fast for you? If you have any thoughts on this episode, why not send in some feedback to the epsilon3 at gmail.com. That's three spelled T-H-R-E-E, not the number. Or you can find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Epsilon 3.
Now, if you have any other problems, any other questions at all, just ask. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.